anxiety, depression, mental health. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to start with the recent research that's come out, which is incredibly comprehensive. I haven't read the study, but I've read commentary around it, which is basically proven that the kind of chemical imbalance thesis of depression based on, you know, a, a lack of adequate sources of serotonin within the brain is um, basically false. That there's no evidence whatsoever that people who experience depression experience depression as a result of a kind of physical just um, deficit or problem of producing serotonin within the brain. And therefore, um, the idea that dosing people up on um, you know, antidepressants and medicating this kind of chemical imbalanced problem away mm -hmm. um, is something that's quite misguided. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's something that um, a lot of people, um, particularly you know, um, psychologists, um, quite heavily invested in that area of their research, experts in that field have, have said for quite a, a bit of time. But um, it's, it's always had a bit of pushback um, but obviously this research says otherwise. Um, yeah, what, what are your mm. thoughts on this? Um, I've always... Um, I've never really found the chemical um, imbalance argument uh, super compelling, I would say. Um, and I, I've previously read part of a book by Johan Hari. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote the book, the, I think it's called Lost, Lost Connections. Connections. Yeah. Um, and what he wrote and explored in that book around the environmental causes of depression and anxiety, to me, that was a lot more compelling. Um, not to say that it's one or the other, but obviously this new research study has debunked the serotonin argument. Um, yeah, so I, I think um, I've always been interested in exploring more the environmental um, reasons around... Uh, or environmental drivers for depression and anxiety um, things like um, you know your surroundings your experiences um, and things like that I couldn't agree more and I think it's so good to have such a comprehensive study I mean I mm -hmm. think they use thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of participants um, you know to, to prove it and ultimately you know any kind of comments or insights around what is true should be derived from mm. large-scale studies with you know huge amounts of data in the aggregate um because you know anecdotal stories about what works this or mm. that um obviously um are just uh evidence and and factually nowhere near as sound yeah as yeah. those comprehensive studies but having said that i would agree with you in that um the the lost connections kind of um, thesis or the idea of your social environment and external factors influencing your mental state um, far more than just like your brain chemistry mm. makes so much more sense to me anecdotally, purely for the fact that, you know, observing myself and my own mental health and that of my friends as well. Um, you know, I was, have never been diagnosed with depression or mm -hmm. put on um, antidepressants. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is just I've generally speaking had strong social connections mm -hmm. and sort of always been a fairly outgoing person. Mm -hmm. 
But um, at one point in my life, I'd say for maybe a six-month stretch, mm. um, I feel like I probably could have, you know, in, in retrospect, I would mm. self-diagnose myself as having had depression during mm. that period of time. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, at the time I didn't seek help for it because I just mm. was stubborn and I just never, ever thought of myself. I, I always, I had this idea of myself as a resilient person. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of worked through it. But looking back at the time, um, you know, I was doing incredibly unproductive things. Like I was, um, in that sort of, uh, it was, it was, I was in my second year of uni and I was, um, you know, partying a lot. So like my sleeping patterns were sort of staying up sometimes until 5am, 6 wow. in the morning, yeah. um, sometimes 3, you know, routinely sort of mm-hmm. going to bed, maybe 2.30, 3 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. spending that time, like maybe from like 11pm to sort of 3am uh, on my computer in my bed, mm-hmm. um, just on social media or stewing on sort of different things, mm-hmm. you know, getting all of that blue light and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so terrible sleeping pattern and also zero goals, like no goals in my life, being really lost as yep. to like what, you know, being at uni, not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, so again, not having goals, not having direction, sort of stewing on like the meaningless and pointlessness of mm-hmm. life, if you like, but also, you know, eating shittily, mm-hmm. not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, in, in many ways, you know, having connections in my life that weren't necessarily um, that fulfilling and no, no, um, disrespect to like those people in my life. Um, many of whom are no longer in my life just, um, in the fact that, that, you know, they weren't deep connections at university. You sort of, it's a very transient place. Mm. People come in and out of your life. And, um, so I think I had lots and lots of connections, but felt actually quite lonely. Mm. Um, in that, yeah, I was, you know, on the surface, I was partying and meeting all kinds of different types of people but didn't have um it, it wasn't anchored in like a yeah. sort of um any one direction in life and yeah I felt depressed and I wasn't helping I was smoking a lot of marijuana at the time as well which again disrupts your sleep mm. you know if you're, if you're smoking pot to try and um lull yourself into a, a sort of sleep um it's a sedative and a depressant you actually do not sleep when you're going to bed either drunk or yeah. high so, yeah, all of those things c- compounded, I think, to sort of um, create depression. And it wasn't until on my sort of YouTube binges, I actually started, you know, getting recommended these sort of like motivational videos of whom Jordan Peterson was in there, um, mm-hmm. you know, and um, again, don't agree with everything that he says, but I think his life advice about just getting your shit together um, really helps. And comedians as well, people, you know, who older sort of... Um, mostly men because it's men speaking to, to younger men in, in that sort of advice that I was consuming, but, but basically get the fundamentals right in your life, mm-hmm. have some goals, um, eat right, get some sunlight, uh, you know, go to the gym. Actually, I, I recall distinctly, um, some advice from the comedian Bill Burr because he had people writing into him saying, I'm sort of depressed. I don't know what to do. And he was like, eat, just try this even just for a fucking day, mm-hmm. eat healthy, Go to the gym, get a good night's sleep, mm-hmm. see what that does to your, you know, depression mm-hmm. or mental state. And I just started doing that. I started sort of just goal setting, getting my shit to, together a bit more and it, it cured my depression. Like I'm mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I again, I, I think it's easier for, it's, it's not as easy as mm-hmm. that for everyone, mm-hmm. sure. And but how, for me it did. How long would you say that period took, you know, in, in terms of getting those fundamentals right? Um, 
how many days of um, you know eating right, sleeping well, and moving your body would you say it took for you to feel better? Like, not that long, not that long yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, it really is instant, and that's what I'd say about mental health. Like, it, you know, you, you can spiral up, spiral mm -hmm. down. Even you know, um, before you came over, like mm. I, I would say first thing in the morning. Um, I often just have a very negative mindset. Mm -hmm. I'll go, if I'm particularly, if I'm like waking up by myself, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just sort of, you'll be a bit tired, dehydrated mm -hmm. in that sort of waking up stage and you'll sort of ruminate. And like, if I were to stay in bed all day mm -hmm. with my blinds closed, like literally this morning, yeah. I could be in quite a negative frame of mind if, if I didn't, you know, take steps on this very morning to just mm -hmm. set myself on course, mm. um, to have somewhat of a meaningful kind of day. Um, mm. you, 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 could stew, you know, you mm. can be in that sort of unproductive, unhealthy mindset. I could just, you know, doom scroll on social mm. media. Um, I could go and then stumble to the kitchen, eat something first thing that's, you know, shitty. Mm. Um, and I don't have too much shitty food in my cupboards because I just have, you know, I'm in, in the habit of just yeah. not buying junk food. But if I had junk food, it'd be so easy to just go to the chocolate or ice cream. Mm. And next thing you know, it's like 11 o'clock. You haven't accomplished anything. And, you know, I don't mean, to, you know, I going for a walk is accomplishing something. That's what I, you know. So, um, you know, ne next thing you just, you're in your pajamas, you feel grubby and dirty and you haven't left the house. You're almost in the first stages of like entering a kind of mm. depressive mindset. And, you know, uh, what I did instead was I just forced myself sort of out of bed, got my shoes on and went for a nice walk in the sunshine. And, um, I'm, you know, not the most optimistic person. I was walking, you know, um, went on my sort of hour long walk in the sun and would say I had some negative thoughts. Like mm. I, you know, um, the world we live in, right, is, can be a depressing place. Um, Definitely mortality is guaranteed um you know uh climate change extreme weather events this massive inequality that millennials are yeah. sort of facing against the baby boomers just cost of living you know inflation far outstripping our wage rise living in the pandemic and yeah just everything is it, it can be um quite Depressing. Alarming, yeah. Yeah. Depressing, yeah. If if you stew on it, it's there's a lot to be fucking negative and pessimistic mm -hmm. about. And I'm not gonna lie, I literally went on my walk this morning, mm. ruminating and thinking on those things. Mm. But I did it in the sunshine. I did it while I was moving forward. Mm. I did it while when I could look up at the trees and look mm. up at the blue sky. Yeah. So I was ruminating negative thoughts, mm. at least in a kind of fairly good environment, and and making a kind of um, putting myself in a position where it was hard. It, it, you know, you no longer sort of adjust depressed and, and really spiraling downwards in like a negative slope. You can kind of um, put yourself in a frame of mind where y you can more easily compartmentalize, yeah, I think, the negatives yeah. and say to yourself, look, well, at least the sun's still shining. It, yeah. it just, it helps you, I think, be, yeah, more appreciative, you know. I think power um of physical physically kind of improving your physical environment you know feeling better getting fresh air uh seeing greenery it, it's uh, there's a lot of power to that um 
but also kind of detaching yourself from your thoughts. You, you know, when I'm on a walk and physically moving and feeling physically grounded, it gets me out of my, my head a little yeah. bit. And I, I think, um, you know, stopping the rumination is the first step in a lot of it. And in terms of my experience, I feel like a lot of times um, when you're in that sort of mood, it can be really, really hard and um, difficult to motivate yourself to get outside and actually move and um, kind of change your physical circumstances. But it's one of those, it's similar to brushing your teeth, right? You have to get into that habit of doing it because otherwise um, dirt builds up. And and I kind of feel like that's similar with... Um, negative thoughts it yeah. builds up if you don't get into the habit and practice of doing um doing something even though you don't feel like it exactly. sometimes you don't feel like brushing your teeth but you know you have that habit of doing it every day because you know what what you'd feel like if you didn't it's like um uh, entropy is the default default state yeah. of the world decay mm-hmm. decline um, this constant state of degradation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's the same with anything, bodily health, mental health, yeah. keeping your house tidy, mm-hmm. um, being on top of your work yeah, in, yeah. in your job, you ignore those things and they will start to decline. So life is constantly this process of um, structure and management. management. Yeah. Otherwise, um, you're headed towards chaos and mm. decay. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's actually very, very true. Mm. And so I think, yeah, people who have a tendency towards depression, I think a large part, mm. they just haven't been taught the skills. Mm-hmm. Because it's embarrassing. It, it's this thing of like, why should you need to know how to be happy or know how to look after yourself? But it's, it's an absolute skill. And yeah, I just think pe- a lot of people who are depressed have not been, they, they haven't developed the skills and no one's taught them. Um, to kind of proactively be happy, proactively do things that are going to at least, you know, actually, to be honest, not necessarily make them super happy, mm. but not make them depressed, you know, s- sort of push like back. Set yourself up for success. Success, yeah. yeah. And, and, and push back against um, that tendency yeah. towards decay and entropy mm. and uh, I guess chaos. just teasing, um, I guess, the point that you made around the skills would uh, I kind of see it as more? Um, I think people do know what habits are good for them, but it, sometimes it's hard to enforce habits. So I think a, a big part of it is that psychological area around um, sticking to habits and sticking to routines and things that are good for you more so than not necessarily knowing the skill. I, I think a lot of people know that exercise and um, a good diet is good for you and, and will help but um, at the same time uh, it's still hard to kind of adhere to would you, would you agree or no you look you're right it's very true it's very true um, particularly because um, we are bombarded with that information mm. that you know it, it, we're constantly tested we're con- yeah with bar- like with um, roadblocks and kind of things that detract you from your from what's good for you well that too yes but i was going to say that actually um we're told all the time Mm. what's good for us at the same at the same time you know it's a bit like scrolling social media 
you'll see lots of advertisements of happy people who mm-hmm. are active, mm. fit, eating healthy, out in the sunshine with social connections. Um, so in, in that regard, we know what a happy life okay. does look like. Mm-hmm. The just irony is, and the roadblock that we're being fed is that you're actually on this, um, you know, social media machine mm. that is rigged to to keep you on it mm. and, and actually keep you from outside, being outside mm. and doing those things that you enjoy. It, it just wants your attention locked into the device. Mm. So that's, yeah, the, the roadblock. It's like we've sort of never been more mm. aware of what we need to do at the same time as being held back in, in various ways. Bombarded with all of these things that um, put us in positions of temptation and, um, you know, yeah, just roadblocks essentially. Mm. Mm. I, I think another thing is... Um, and, and this might be getting a little bit philosophical and kind of uh, tangential, but I think purpose is quite important. And I think, you know, where where there's a, a will, there's a way, right? If yeah. there's a strong purpose, then people, or myself, I feel more motivated and easier. To, I find it easier to stick to um, the path of success. Mm-hmm. And I think people, uh, you know, this is a bit more wide, broad, more broadly people find it difficult to um understand what their purpose is you're right and this is probably you know we've seen huge rates of huge increases in like Mm. depression and anxiety particularly uh, among young people and there are obviously a myriad number of just myriad causes Mm. for that Mm. um yeah, but but it does seem like, you know, objectively our living standards are better than, mm. you know, what they were a, a generation ago, although that is increasingly on the decline once more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, objectively life's still been pretty bloody good or as good as it's ever been. Mm. Why then would depression... And, and why is it a phenomenon in the mm. first world and not in developing countries? And I think definitely what you've said about meaning a purpose, it's almost like... um. Our generation kind of knows too much mm. um, and certainly with the, the decline of kind of traditional religion as a source of meaning and purpose, mm. um, yeah, yeah, I think a huge yeah. reason for that depression and one of the reasons why I think I was depressed for that um, period of time is that, yeah, you mm. you, you, you need a purpose and when yeah. it's not there, um, it, it's just, it's sort of hollow vacuum or pointlessness mm. to, to life in many ways mm. and that but that never goes away that mm. is the big existential question that yeah no absolutely. one's been able to really answer in the absence of you know mm. um religion and like uh i was just listening a, a few days ago or maybe even last night to um an alan watts kind of uh speech on the meaning of life and it's kind of true. It's, I guess it's what, you know, Buddhism or, you know, kind of new agey spiritual, um, spiritualism teaches us. And that the point of life is to kind of just exist. There is no, there's no, Mm. you know, unless you are, you know, highly religious, which I'm not, um, there is ultimately no point to life in that, Mm you're not going to be told what the point is. You have to give it purpose yourself. Yeah. The only, you know, meaning is you think, therefore you create meaning kind Mm -hmm. of type Mm -hmm. thing. And so 
um, yeah, the only person that can make you happy and bring purpose to your life ultimately is yourself. So yeah. you give it meaning and, and you exist. Like, like ultimately every waking moment should be this exciting thing in which you just observe with your consciousness mm-hmm. all that is around you and mm-hmm. be incredibly grateful that you have this in front of you, which would otherwise not be that. Yeah. It would it would be nothing. It's either nothing, endless nothing, zero consciousness, or consciousness. And just that alone, it's like, well, fuck, consciousness is pretty good because it's better than mm. nothing. It's zero to one. It's zero to one. Yeah. It, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think you write your own purpose. You you write your own story. Yeah. Um, you can you, you are the main character in your own story, and you can shape it the way that you want. I think the the key is to. I think the key for me is. Um, to to land on the story that I want to tell um, and also to, to believe in it and to to kind of play it out I think that's that's my personal experience just um, you've got to set it and follow it mm. Um, mm. yeah I think that's um, that that would be my how I perceive purpose um, not to I guess cut off that topic there but mm. I wanted to touch on the fact that it would be remiss of us to not kind of mention that purpose is one thing but also trauma and you know your life experiences I think a lot of people um, have experienced very um, traumatizing events that can be very difficult to grapple with and struggle with um, in in this depression kind of journey yeah no look it's it's so true um Yes, yeah. but again, and I think it, part of the reason is because I think if you've suffered trauma and horrible circumstances, in the present, you're more likely to be in circumstances that are um, highly kind of stifling mm. and depression-inducing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, say you, 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 you lost your child in a car accident or you were, mm. um, you know, you horribly know, mutilated. Sexually abused yeah. or... Yeah. You just you, you have more in your past to dwell on, you know. There are just there are more opportunities through which to become, you know, to, to stew on and, and be ultimately mm-hmm. sad and depressed about. And you know, that yeah. list of things we said that everyone in the modern age, in a, in a sort of um, wealthy first world country, mm-hmm. can stew on mm-hmm. climate change or inequality mm-hmm. or just the, the general bleakness of maybe the future. Um, if you've personally suffered horrible mm. things like that's just so much more um challenging cha- yeah. but and, and but so much more subject matter to which yeah. to dwell on yeah. and be depressed about and, and i think it's also a physical response that people are grappling with and uh, you know um trying to overcome panic attacks are physical yeah. in nature um some sometimes when people have gone through trauma um and they find themselves in a situation that triggers memories or um experiences of what they've gone through it, it can be a physical response of fear and um you know stress um heart racing mm. all of those things that can be more than just dwelling it, it can be a physical block blocker i'd agree in this we're kind of talking more almost about anxiety now mm. and i would say absolutely like you know, it's true of 
sort of trauma and intergenerational trauma and um, people who've experienced traumatic events that um, I, I definitely think with anxiety, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, experiences massively shape that. And I see it within people that um, I know in my life and even elements of myself and all of us are sort of shaped by our childhood to an extent. But those, that sort of flight or flight response, which is what anxiety is ultimately based off, um, yeah, I, I absolutely see that as um, being dictated a mm-hmm. lot by experience. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, studies, that, again, I, I can't sort of reference them off the top of my head, but they've shown that, um, you know, infants in the womb whose mothers have been under like extreme stress and heightened kind of anxiety and uh, heightened cortisol levels and things like that, but, you know, just different sort of hormonal imbalances. Mm -hmm. Um, Those infants actually uh, carry that same kind of anxious flight or fight response elevated um, kind of uh, elevated sets of reactions to external stimulus. They, they're born um, with heightened levels than they otherwise would have. Mm. And mm. so um, they're going to probably be just more anxious, you know, mm. as, as a kind of, as a person. And um, th- that is largely probably because, um, you know, in our past, if you were in a high stress environment, you would actually need to have elevated levels of anxiety, mm. that sort of higher kind of fast twitchy response because you're presently, you're put in dangerous situations. So, mm-hmm. um, but in the modern world, obviously that kind of elevated um, sense of stress is not not conducive to your happiness. Mm. You know? And um, if, if you're kind of experiencing that elevated level um, for extended periods of time, it can be qu- quite, um, it's bad for your body. Um, yeah it causes a lot of problems ailments yeah yeah exactly it's quite all these things downstream Mm. um blood pressure being Mm. one yeah um hypertension yeah other things yeah i think it's heightened cortisol levels just yeah um in in general yeah exactly um i kind of wanted to go back to what you were saying earlier about um your experiences with feeling um symptoms of depression and kind of looping back to the topic of antidepressants mm, and mm. um you know the study that was recently published yeah um would you say that antidepressants if they were if they were prescribed to you would have helped no no well not from what i know about them obviously mm. i don't know too much but from what I understand is they obviously do not solve the root cause of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to just dull everything about yep. you. So certainly if you're so depressed that you're suicidal, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think that they're potentially a good strategic intervention just to stop you know, um, suicidal thoughts and actually reduce the risk of self-harm. You know, if they dull... Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if the depressive thoughts are so dangerous, I think it's worth getting that dulling effect just to stop. Safety net. Exactly. Yeah. It's a safety net. And then sort of wean off them as you then mm-hmm. try and build up, um, you know, other sort of more positive reserves. But um, I, I, I do not think so. And I'm glad that, you know, it wasn't mm. persistent or, yeah. or, or bad enough that um, I sort of ended up going down that 
route. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, something that, um, and again, coming back to that book, Lost Connections, which they talk about as far more effective and sustainable long-term, I think is cognitive behavioral therapy. And ultimately I think it's, it sounds again, like, you know, I don't want to come across as flippant towards those that have had um, severe depression, but watching the kind of through self-knowledge, you know, and Mm -hmm. self-education, watching YouTube videos, um, and also just experimenting and sort of getting my, my shit together, getting on top of my emotions. I sort of self-taught myself cognitive behavioral Mm -hmm. therapy, if you like, just, you know, how to get on top of, um, bad thoughts before they kind of derail your whole day. Um, yeah, just learn how to be a better, um, friend to yourself. And yeah, I, I think I self-taught myself cognitive behavioral therapy and, and that is what I would just recommend to anyone who has depression or anxieties, go do cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm. Um, I think that's just far more sustainable and, and long-term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would completely agree with that. And I think one thing that can be problematic and potentially has been problematic with the chemical imbalance argument is, um, less focus on the CBT route and um, other therapies and mechanisms to help improve your situation um, that can can be potentially problematic. You know, this idea that it, it's a chemical imbalance, it's out of your control, it's, it's something that the body is um, experiencing that you, you have to address through uh, drugs and antidepressants. Yeah. And that removes a sense of um, autonomy and empowerment in a way. I think that is what's problematic about the chemical imbalance hypothesis and theory. Completely agree yeah. because it um, it's something that is in actually incredibly disempowering. Mm. And that's what um, I think a lot of people that really want to latch on to the idea of it being a chemical imbalance mm. is that um, it absolves you of any responsibility or capacity or power to take proactive steps to change things yourself and you know as someone that you know if you like being in control and having power um over your own situation um being subject to this idea that it's completely out of your control doesn't seem appealing but i think for a lot of people that are are, you know sort of suffer in many ways from like a, a learned victim uh helplessness yeah learned helplessness that's right and and a kind of um learned victimhood um it's a very safe and secure idea to lean into Mm. that there's there's nothing that you can do Mm -hmm. to improve your situation yeah um and so i think they latch onto that idea and lean into it because it's kind of a a form of um copium Mm -hmm. It's, it's it's a coping mechanism to absolve yourself as responsibility um and you say well it's just it is what it is and i just this is my life this is what was handed was handed to me and this is yeah i've got very little ability to change my circumstances there's exactly and but that's a toxic idea because Mm. what it means is that people will just continue to stew and wallow in their Mm. own misery and not take proactive steps to improve their lives in ways in which it can really help themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's the danger is, you know, you'll get it. And I've literally seen it with my, some friends who are on, you know, have, have been medicated 
and people that I really like and, and respect and, you know, don't want to insult by saying this, but like it, it, if you take it to a kind of almost comical degree, it's like you'll have depression as, you know, and it's like, what are you doing? You're waking up, you're fucking masturbating three times that morning. Uh, you're stewing, you know, in your own fucking filth and misery, not leaving the house. You're not getting any sunlight. You know, you're laying on your bed all day doing nothing and saying, oh, I'm depressed. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing that I can possibly do. And there's birds chirping outside. There's a sun and there's trees that are sort of calling for mm-hmm. you. And you're just shutting up the blinds and saying, oh, there's, there's just absolutely nothing I can do. Nothing. I, I'm, it's, I'm, my head is broken. My mind is just, it's just the way it is. And, you know, you've got friends texting you and saying, oh, hey, do you want to catch up and, you know, like go for a walk or something? And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm depressed. There's, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. And it, it's, it removes all of those opportunities mm. to actually go and, you know, mm-hmm. improve yourself. And so, um, yeah, mm. I, I see so much danger in, mm-hmm. in the idea of um, simply leaning into that idea that you... The chemical imbalance. Yeah. Um, and that you have no choice in the matter or yeah. that you have no um, capacity to change mm-hmm. your circumstances. Yeah. And I completely relate to that and um, am compelled by that line of argument as well. Um, but ha- I guess playing devil's advocate for a little bit, um, people might kind of react to some of these ideas and say um, potentially it's harmful to to stigmatize um you know depression in 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 that way to say that it's something that's you know you can kind of pull yourself out of pick yourself up by the boots yeah exactly and um i guess also for a lot of people who have found antidepressants helpful and Mm. Mm. even necessary um how do we kind of balance that yeah well it's funny we say this because someone who the the obviously the big name who has gotten re- repeated mentions on this podcast is Jordan Peterson. And he's the big kind of pick yourself up by the bootstraps, stop being um, er, miserable, misery guts mm. and go out and, and live and, and take some responsibility. Yet he himself, I think has literally been medicated um, throughout ver- the various times in his life on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even the big personal responsibility, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, guy the figurehead for that has himself taken antidepressants and um that's what i would say like i i think there's a place for them and i'll just reiterate what i said before i think in that um if you're suicidal Mm. and you're at risk of seriously harming yourself or others i think there's a place for the medical interventions because Mm. um they're a blunt force instrument instrument Mm. to stop um serious harm but that that's I think the extent to which I would uh, I would personally delve, you know, um, because I think prior to that point, the the cognitive behavioural therapy is going to to be more helpful, um, and you know I'd I'd say it's the same with a lot of you know the the medical industry as a whole, like rightfully i think that the medical industry um comes on under a lot of fire for over medicating the, the use of mm. um drugs to offer band-aid solutions or mask problems or alleviate um symptoms without getting to the heart of mm. the causes of those problems 
And again, it's like it's, you're weighing up um, a kind of balance. If someone is in chronic, chronic pain, particularly in age where there's like not too much more that you can actually do, you can kind of just um, try and hold back the decline in someone's diminishing physical health. Um, but ultimately not do much about the crippling arthritis and whatnot, well then, yeah, just heavily medicating to try and kill that pain mm. is clearly the best and most ethical thing to do in that situation. But, um, you know, someone who's fairly into to, um, sort of health and physical health and, and whatnot, um, I absolutely see it from the perspective of like, you know, personal trainers or mm. kind of, you know, um, modern health gurus who definitely advocate um, you know, against over-medication and instead uh, appeal to kind of the, the holist- holistic understanding of health. And, you know, for young, able-bodied people, I couldn't agree more. It's like, you know, if, if you're um, in a state where healthy eating, healthy sleeping, um, physical activity are the kind of foundations for bringing you strong health, um, you ignore those at your peril and simply medicating away kind of, you know, if you're healthy the symptoms, I- exactly. Yeah. And, and the, the biggest ones are things like back pain or mm-hmm. joint pain when you haven't got like a, you know, severe inflammation or arthritis or even inflammation, you know, and if you're someone who's sort of like under the age of 40 or 50, like so many of those ailments mm-hmm. can just be solved by physical activity mm-hmm. and, um, good eating, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, if you start medicating away things like back pain, which is probably from under strengthening and underuse, you're just, you're, you're actually, you're going, that entropy is going to set in even further and you're going to mm-hmm. become even more and more dependent mm-hmm. on those painkillers. When, if you actually went to the gym, mm-hmm. maybe saw a physio started strengthening that muscle weakness and imbalance you could cure your chronic long-term pain. Mm, mm. I couldn't put it better. I think um, completely agree. It's, uh, I think it's dangerous to be just addressing the surface level symptoms without looking into what's driving the root or what the root cause of some of these symptoms are, mm. especially for, like you mentioned, young people where there's a lot of scope to, to be able to explore that um, compared to, you know, an older person with arthritis in which probably in that circumstance it, it does make sense to just medicate where you can to alleviate pain because yeah it's management yeah. it's basically just slowing the decline yes and at that point i i get it and i approve yeah. of it you know yeah. Yeah. but with mental health it's like it's not the same you know it's, no. we your mental health is not something that you know if, if you're in cognitive decline again yeah. you're entering the stages of um uh dementia Mm. that's another story it's like Mm. yes you're managing Mm -hmm. the decline of that but with mental health why would you ever manage someone's decline Mm. in towards like a depressive suicidal state it's not the same it's always something that can be sort of brought up and nourished there's potential to really address the the hub the hub of what's what's wrong and yeah alleviate from that perspective yeah I, I I'd agree, and I, I think you know it's interesting. Uh, prior to this podcast, you mentioned mm. the organisational psychologist Adam Grant, yes. who sort of touched on all these different nuances. In that, you know, I mm. think we basically said let's take a holistic approach to mental health. Mm. Um, and he received so much backlash in the comments of people saying, you know, how could you shame? Um, yeah, you know, people who are taking medication. 
you know, do better. Um, and, and the 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 learned helplessness and victimhood that sort of seeps out of those kind of comments is so like apparent to anyone that's just looking on, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame. Like it's not to not acknowledge maybe their suffering, mm. but uh, look, the, the, one of the biggest things I think, which kind of puts to bed this idea that, you know, um, there's nothing that you can possibly do about, you know, your, mm. your problems and that, you know, it's, it's purely, um, you're a victim of just circumstance and bad luck is that overwhelmingly the data shows that like depression is a first world problem. Like it, it, it's mm. the huge rates of and increasing rates of depression in um, the world today are, are concentrated within the developed economies and, you know, within developing economies, it's like their problems um, are so much more immediate that they don't even have the time to actually contemplate their own existence and sort of be depressed and ruminating and stewing in their own It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're kind of operating at the bottom of the triangle, you're focusing on survival and getting food and shelter and resources to be able to survive. Whereas as you kind of ascend the triangle, you're starting to... uh, Your problems are more, uh, you know headed towards the consciousness and the um self um you know the that that sort of space Uh, what can you get it up because i know the top is self-actualization and i think very few people ever get to the point of Mm self-actualization it's like that i think the tier below is like social needs is that right i think that you yeah you might be right yeah and and so i think you're right people who experience depression anxiety i think are really failing to have their social and self-actualization needs um of the triangle truly met yeah Yeah. and that's i think where where most of the problems kind of start to arise whereas i think you know if depression were a chemical imbalance it would be Mm. a problem for everyone at any stage of the kind of triangle Mm. you know so what does it say yeah um physiological needs yeah Mm. food you know you if it were a chemical imbalance You'd see depression amongst probably all animals Mm -hmm. and even the poorest, you know, um, humans. It would sort of be consistent across the globe. And I think it would be this um, physiological, like literally a a chemical imbalance Mm -hmm. is a physiological problem, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And so I think it would be very observable in the mechanical sense. And obviously it isn't because people who are fighting within the physiological and the safety and security um, level, level yeah. uh, don't get to that point. Whereas, yeah, it's, it's like once those needs are met, it, yeah, belonging yeah. and love and esteem, that is 100% where I think depression starts to seep in and anxiety mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And that's true anecdotally of myself. It's like, of course, you're going to have low self-esteem when you don't fucking respect yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you treat your own you, you, yourself like shit. And treating yourself like shit is you know, refusing to leave the house, um, not fucking being on top of your own personal hygiene, not setting goals and not having self-respect for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that yeah. it just, as soon as you start having self-respect and treating yourself like a friend, um, I think you start to meet those belonging and esteem needs, you know? Yeah. 
and it's hard it's it's not an easy you know it's not an easy thing to to kind of do obviously because so many people are struggling with it yeah um but it's what i think it's one of those things where you literally have to practice and practice and do over and over again and um continue to put effort into because you know it's not to say that we've got the solution okay depression's cured for everybody who chooses to opt in the actual process of getting there is is very difficult yeah I think. and look here's where now i would take a more kind of empathetic approach to those that do suffer anxiety mm-hmm. impression and as someone who you know has struggled with it in the past and still does like every day is potentially a battle yeah. and that is that the modern world i think is kind of particularly fucked in mm. certain ways there are certain dynamics which almost do set us up for failure in terms of the belonging love and esteem and self-actualization and a huge one of that is technology and social media the way in which now we can access any kind of depressing information that mm. we want we're also um i think increasingly in these sort of fragment fragmented um bubbles in which it's very hard to even know who you are and what group you belong mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. that's something that i constantly struggle with because you know um you find all of these different things that you're interested in it's so sort of individualistic now society mm. yeah. um it's very hard to define yourself by any one thing mm. in which in the past you may have quite easily just defined yourself as a Christian Mm. or, you know, um, by say your occupation. Mm. Now the, the world is limitless in terms of like who or what you define yourself as. Yeah. And, um, that is a genuine symptom of the the modern world. I think. I, I would agree. And I think, um, further, obviously the addictive nature of social media, um, you know, technology by design is meant to, hijack your attention and get you to spend more and more time um on these platforms where you're comparing yourself to other people comparison social comparison is extremely um you know damaging it's Um, it's toxic it's for your mental health we've obviously talked about um kind of touched on the dangers of online dating um and i think the other thing with um technology as well is just um you you become a bit detached from the physical world and yeah. so stewing on a screen all day. Yeah. um being stuck in your head a lot of that is exacerbated and basically your environment our environment is um designed in a way to to not see us um succeed mm. and so uh, completely agree with the empathy note you know people are put in circumstances where it's increasingly hard to practice those things that you mentioned are helpful, you know, self-respect and um, getting out, um, looking after your physical health, feeling a sense of purpose and meaning and belonging, all of those things. It's getting harder and harder. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And and just one more thing with the proliferation of information in this mm. kind of information economy. I do think we, we kind of know too much. Like, well, no, I think ultimate knowledge and acceptance of truth will set you free but just that initial shock that you get to the system um in a world i think in which we've like completely lost our innocence you know um within the era of say um maybe uh the prior to the enlightenment like the the period of say romanticism um 
there was just this complete kind of innocence, I think, about the, the state of humanity. And over time, it's been lost and lost. And that whole canon, I think, of, um, you know, uh, absurdism and uh, nihilism that arose sort of post-World War II because of the, the nuclear bomb and what that did to the psyche um, led to this, yeah, cultural revolution after cultural revolution. And I think we're in potentially in, an, in another cultural revolution, which um, stems from a, a kind of just a, 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 a rejection of, of society almost, mm. like a, a rejection of shared norms, shared values, and a turning inward on the self. And I think a rejection from society because it, it does seem in many ways um, like too much has been lost, you know. Um, a, a loss of community, but a turning away from a community because there is actually not a lot to be even desired or sought out mm. in community because of the way community currently is at present. Like, like purely as an example, right, like, we live in and I live in the suburbs here um, of Sydney you could imagine a time back when um, you know a pub or an RSL um, was a real gathering place where sort of people who um, worked and lived in the local community would go there regularly um, multiple times a week and socialise now, like when you go to like a local RSL, which I sort of did just the other day, um, it's this like dilapidated mm. uh, relic of the past. Like it just, it, it seems so, um, you know, just, yeah, again, it's just, just a s- symptom of that sort of social fragmentation, mm. I think. When, when I look at my friends, right, because of the way in which social media has meant that um, my friends are based on sort of a very specific niche set of interests in many ways and particular Mm -hmm. type of person. Um, We've maintained our contact through kind of social media in a way in which that is not at all rooted to kind of place or even occupation. Mm -hmm. And so my friends are sort of placed all around the city. Um, It means that physically we don't routinely come into contact. We're sort of in contact through another through technology most of the time um and it means that you know community now that's it so community is no longer um rooted in a sense of place or physical environment it's almost all taking place now through technology Mm. and so i think people can get a lot of self-esteem benefits when they find community through um you know the the technology and social media um, but you are divorced f- from your physical reality mm-hmm. to a large extent and through um, genuine social connection. And so I don't think that online community is a true substitute mm. to um, physical kind of social mm. connections. I think it's really interesting and I, I would agree there's this almost dichotomy that as we become more integrated with social media and online communities, you know, on the one hand, we've... N- technically never been more connected to different types of people and there's the ability to utilize technology to connect with so many more people um just look at youtube youtube channels and their their viewers and followers um social media influencers 
but at the same time, it's also been very disconnecting. And yeah. so that dichotomy, I think we just haven't really... Been because, able to bridge. Yeah, we haven't of, really yeah. fully understood. And we're in this transitory cultural period where a lot of these things, these effects are kind of playing out, but the effects aren't fully understand, understood or known. And um, you're right, I don't think that it, it's a it's a like-for-like substitute um, of the traditional kind of um, physical communities versus these online communities these days. Um, and a lot of the effects are still to be explored. Um, and on another note, I think, and this might this is almost a completely different topic, but I think a lot of the community community spirit and kind of um, selflessness, I think, has transitioned into a more inward-looking selfishness. I think, mm. as a mm. whole collective spirit of um, society. society in general. Yeah, and I yeah. think um, lots to unpack there. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree in general. I think. And well, bringing it back to the conversation mm-hmm. about depression and anxiety, I think that is, again, a huge kind of structural, societal reason. Mm. Broadly speaking, obviously, there are so many different minute ways of dissecting the problem. But broadly speaking, that could be a large reason, I think, why we're seeing the, yeah. the rates of anxiety and depression that we are. Absolutely. It's that, yeah, we're, we're, our social environment is changing in ways in which we haven't fully adapted to. Agreed. Yeah. 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 And just look at working from home yeah. in the last two years, even in the social, uh, sorry, not social, in, in the professional workplace sphere, um, we've seen this new um, environment in which I personally haven't had the opportunity to network with many people and kind of build those relationships, which traditionally was another source of connection for many people, you know, diversifying between your social friends, your work colleagues and your community um, there are lots of opportunities to connect and create a, a role for yourself, you know, uh, as a colleague, as a friend, as a um, community member. And so I think the loss of that aspect has also potentially um, driven more disconnection and more potential for um, depression and kind of those experiences and feelings. I couldn't agree more. I literally felt this happen to me this week because um, I went into the office two days out of the five, which is a lot these days as, you know, in in our workplaces. Um, And on one of those days, we had a big uh, group training day where there were about 20 of us in the office and all in the sort of same room um, conducting training together and sort of socialising and working on different tasks and problems together. And I realized that for the first time in actually quite a long time, my energy levels were so much higher than what they usually have been day to day because I am, I tend towards the extroverted side rather than the introverted. And I was cracking jokes and I thought, fuck, I'm at work. And although we weren't doing work because it was a training session, but I thought like, I'm on here. Like, I'm really happy. Like, I'm actually kind of in my element and in, I'm in a situation in which I imagined, um, what was first when I was sort of leaving union thinking, what kind of a job can I do? Um, which first maybe appealed to me about office work in that, like, um, I enjoy socializing. I kind of enjoy, uh, entertaining, uh, you know, people around me on a sort of, um, amicable surface level. And I, um, also just enjoy getting up each day and putting on a suit. Like mm. I find putting on a suit really empowering. Um, you know, which is, it's like the, it, it's the, um, uniform of like the, 
managerial class of capitalists. <laughs> the PMC. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, which which I don't particularly, you know, whatever it is what it is. But um, no, I, I find it really empowering because it is, it, it's kind of a, a, a modern suit of armor, if you like. Mm. But I just like the way that it's got like clean, crisp lines. I would say I look good in a suit for me. Like I feel confident physically in a suit. And yeah, all of those things, like just getting up, having a nice structure, meeting others and looking good and feeling confident in what you're wearing all gets stripped away working from home. And it's crazy to think, but literally two years of working from home, it finally kind of clicked for me just almost last week. Like, fuck, like I've been missing out on this for quite a long period of time. And um, yes, there are benefits to, to working from home, like um, maybe just being able to find more hours to do exercise um, or whatever it might be. But I really do miss that kind of social connection mm. and the capacity to just get out of the house and meet other people and have this other life outside of the fucking confines of your mm. home. Yeah. And that for me has... has um, it clicked, it has been missing working yeah. at home. And um, yeah, I think, you know, if you're super introverted and, uh, you know, socially awkward to an extent, I think maybe those people have benefited it. But something, this is actually the, um, I think I got this off Andrew Huberman. Um, whether you're introverted or extroverted, both groups of people have heightened energy levels. And I think it, even happiness from being, um, from from meeting others mm. look and i can give you the introverted perspective because i would consider myself on the intro quite yeah you're strongly so inter- you're you're like well. an extroverted introvert whereas yes. i'm an introverted extrovert completely agree. yeah um completely agree i think having said that i when i you know have done those um assessments i do lean quite heavily towards the introversion space but i that's not to say that i don't like socializing i think there's a bit of a misconception that introverted people are antisocial. that's not true it's more about your energy level and you know how you recharge i think so i i completely agree i still get a, a buzz out of connecting with people that i enjoy it's just a different environment that i succeed in i prefer one-on-one conversations really deep and meaningful um conversations i like to socialize with people that i know um and feel um, safe and you know familiar with um, and I, I get a lot of enjoyment and um, you know buzz out of that even and I think even as an introvert I see benefit in socializing and being in the office despite how much I enjoy working from home there's something that you can get out of working in an office you know being able to speak to different people you don't normally speak to um, and just feeling more connected to people. It's a, it's a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's potentially really important for work because when you have connections to others at work, you don't want to sort of let them down and you're just more inclined, I think, to be more engaged yeah. and, yeah. you know, give approach your work with just a bit more enthusiasm than what you otherwise would be if you feel like you're in this kind of transactional exchange where someone that you don't really know that well or like that much is asking you to do something and you do it out of kind of just obligation yeah. it's nice to be in a sort of uh, an actual amicable likable situation of uh, reciprocity mm. you know um and we spend yeah. so much of our time at work we when do. you look at just the pure numbers you know we obviously spend a lot of time sleeping but i would say the next thing would be next next big chunk would be 
your day job. And so it makes sense that you want to invest in making your um, work life experience as conducive to positive experiences as possible and, you know, making meaning out of your relationships with people at work. Definitely, Mm. definitely. So, yeah, it's that's just another example in which the modern world, you know, um, Mm. there's things to be gained and lost potentially in the, you know, um, the, the kind of paths that we're taking. And ultimately, where it's up to us is, you know, self-knowledge, experimentation and iteration, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of try and get like an optimal balance. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'd say practice and habit, just making sure that um, even if you're going through the motions of doing things that are good for you, um, you know, you're not really feeling like you really want to do you don't really want to go out for a walk. You don't really want to go to the gym, but going through the motions, it's going to get you to feel better. Rather Absolutely. Than, you know, Eating waiting to feel too. better yeah. before you can do those things. I think, and I struggle with that on the daily. Everyone does. Even yeah. the most, that's the thing to keep in mind for people. I think who struggle with depression, anxiety is that even the most successful, um, the, you know, the gurus of like self-help and looking after themselves, struggle with all of this mm. and in some ways that's probably why they become such good teachers of it it's that they've had to constantly learn and remind themselves and absolutely yeah maybe to wrap this up again i think that's the perfect mm. way to end it it's like pick i would those four things it's like sleep exercise healthy eating and getting social connections social connections that's probably the big mm. social connections and maybe okay getting outside and um sunshine and nature where you can Mm. if you just go through the motions on all of those five things like that's That's setting yourself up for success and not failure you know because ultimately like what is the essence of life ultimately other than just enjoying those things getting a good night's sleep spending time with those that you like having a, a healthy body um you know, eating right and meeting your mm. nutritional needs. And what was the other one? Being social in nature. I, I think oh, I said social. Okay. But being yeah, in that, yeah, yeah, just soaking up the, whatever Sunshine. natural beauty is around yeah. in whatever limited, yeah. you know, I'd imagine there's people living in certain parts of the world where there's fucking not too much beauty. But, mm. you know, you can look up at this, like, there's beauty everywhere, you mm. know, even in dark, depressing places. Mm. If it's just a, tiny patch of sunshine through those you know gray clouds Mm. um it's the maybe little bit of Mm. sort of hope that you need i don't know but like yeah you get those five things right Mm. and there's it i I think it you know comprises 80 percent of of the way it's a you know the 80 20 rule pretty much yeah yeah yeah. because they all get you outside of yourself it's like Mm. um yeah yeah just getting out of your head (sighs) that's right Cool. Well, yeah, I think we can wrap up. Awesome. All right. Cool. Cool.